I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is an ABC podcast. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. She's a dominant force. If there is a weak spot out there, she can actually turn that around and use it to your advantage. At the top of the goal square, she kicks it. She snaps a spectacular tumbling goal. And the third Groundbreakers. History makers. This is The Outer Sanctum on ABC Radio. Welcome back to The Outer Sanctum for another week. My name is Emma Race and it's a grand old thrill to be back in the studio this week. My football-loving Sisters of the Sanctum are here with me to run through the banner. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Julia Kiera. And I'm Nicole Hayes. And I'm Shelley Ware. Hello, my loves. It's been an age since I've been in the studio with you all. So it's so nice. Do you feel good to be back? Beautiful. So good. It's so weird being back. It feels like it, it does. It feels like a year. And it's, it's probably close to that, isn't it? I think it has almost been, well, it's been an entire season. We know yeah. that for sure. What's more exciting than us being back in this actual studio is the fact that AFLW round one kicked off and it was an Ooh. absolute cracker. It was a ball tearer. Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> <laughs> or does that just make you want to cross your legs? Depends and keep on listening. we're talking about. But anyway. Sharon, Sharon's. I thought it was an absolutely fantastic round of AFLW, of course, there was some massive footy highlights and there was some highlights from the outer as well. This week, I also dished up some low lights and um, in the footy news, uh, we're going to dissect them all here today. Firstly, we just want to send out some lockdown love to WA who've had a really tough week. News of a five-day lockdown in WA has definitely thwarted the fixture for the week ahead and training for West Coast, Frio, Adelaide and GWS. But a massive and special shout out to Evie Gooch who plays for Frio, who after an epic round one win and eight disposals is out fighting bushfires in WA as her recovery. So uh, solid unbelievable salute to you Evie Gooch. Okay, there were so many highlights from the round. I'm going to come to Shelley where first, what was your round one highlights? I have to say I loved it all so we're going to share the love on the highlights but Erin Phillips, it was just so nice to see her back in full flight, you know 23 possessions or disposal, six tackles and two goals, you know, and she helped West Coast to the win. Oh, not West Adelaide. Coast, Adelaide. <laughs> Goodness gracious me, it has been a while. <laughs> so, Were you thinking there's only one Erin Phillips in your head? Yeah, yeah, just love her. You know, I love what she brings to the game and the fact that she stepped down and she knew that it was time for her to leave as a captain and was setting it up for the future. Just shows what kind of um, woman she is and she's pretty special. Still left foot, right foot. You I know, know can you do don't it mind, all. can do it all. Let me think about it for a split second. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, pretty she's special stuff. Just coming into her own, I feel like she's just growing up before our very eyes. I know that sounds kind of patronising and weird because she is already a grown-up and a mum and a yeah. grown, fully evolved human, but I feel like the leadership stuff with her is just expanding before our very eyes and yeah. um, and it's what we need. I yeah. think it's, it's an amazing role that she plays in footy. Nicole, what were your highlights? Well, I was lucky enough to go to live sport <laughs> at the weekend. So I got to Moorabbin on Friday night. 
Melbourne's weather that day, it had absolutely poured all day, but cleared up for the evening. It was lovely to watch a cracking game of football between the Saints and the Bulldogs. High scoring, really skillful. You feel like you're watching two teams that are going to be powerhouses. Well, they, they already could be powerhouses this year. We'll wait and see, but they're going to be powerhouses in the next few years just because of how many talented young players they've got out there. There was a rainbow at one point, <laughs> you know, just the sky shines for AFLW. Yeah. But one thing I've got to say, now that you've got to buy a ticket and you're allocated to a particular zone, I do feel like the ticket seller needs to tell you which food truck is in your zone. <laughs> I like fair that. point. Because point. maybe I don't want a bum me tonight, yeah, okay? Fair, fair. But when do you a not want dog? a bun me? I want a bun me every day. Theoretically, maybe <laughs> there's a day when I don't want I think one. you're picky. Um <laughs> But maybe I want a hot dog and it's over there in the other zone and mm. I can't get there. This is important visitor information. Pack were, your own bum me. <laughs> were the zones really clear and locked down at Moorabbin? Yeah. I didn't feel that at Princess Park. I felt like we could roam a little bit more than I would have liked. Mm. Mm. Well, I was certainly locked down at Tigerland and I couldn't get any shade, so make sure you take a hat. I'm going to tell you what my highlights were because you said um, the really good high-scoring games. And, in fact, Gemma Bastiani, who was on the pod last week and who is my absolute go-to on Twitter and in life, in round one 2020, there was 48 goals kicked across the comp in round one. This round one, there was 77. So I wasn't making it up. Mm. She gave me that stat last night and then promptly tweeted it. So everyone probably already knows that stat. But I'm glad that I'm reiterating it because it, it wasn't just that I was feeling like the goals were coming uh, cleaner and quicker. They actually really were. My highlights, of course, were the tributes to Jacinda Barclay, which I thought across the weekend were so beautiful. My particular favourite was, of course, when Rana, the ground, Rana Hussein, yeah. the Sanctum Zone um, ground announcer at Tigerland got Vale correct yes. in her pronunciation. But I, all of the moments, it actually, when I was there in the moment, standing and taking a minute, among all the footy-loving public for Jacinda, I really felt it was incredibly emotional and I'm glad that they did it every game. And I'm equally pleased that they gave out the messages of what to do if you're in trouble or if you need some extra help um, in your life. And the other thing that I thought was a massive highlight did happen at Moorabbin was Alice Burke and Nathan Burke. It's been talked about, but the joy of that moment. It felt like equality had come to footy when it's a father-daughter yeah. and when it's someone of the calibre of Nathan Burke and when Alice Burke got the win because Nathan is a dear friend and um, colleague of ours who we love to needle. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a joyous moment. It the was. photo was fantastic and it might have been hyperbole for us to say that it was the greatest moment of all time, but... <laughs> I don't think we've gone too early. It was only January. What are we talking about? (laughs) Nicole, what was your highlight? I had the joy of heading down to Tigerland. Uh, I saw you down there. Um, And I got to meet Tiger debutant Luca Lasoski-Hayes' parents, Jess and Peter, and had a chat to them. I also got to speak to Jess Hosking, who had come down to watch twin sister Sarah debut for the Tigers. I'm Jess Hosking and I'm here watching my twin sister. It's a bit surreal because it's the first time I've actually watched her in a different team um, playing a sport that we both play but we've only ever played together. So it's a little bit strange. <laughs> I'll bet it is. And what was that? What was it like, that whole decision for her and for you? Did you decide together that she would change teams? Like, how did that go down? 
No, she likes to say that I was annoying her at home, so she left um, and didn't want to spend any more time with me. But um, no, it was a it was a decision that Sarah made individually, um, and she wanted a bit of um, individual development and positional play to play somewhere else. So I never actually thought it would happen, but. It was one of those penny drop moments for her. I think she realised if she didn't do it now, she wasn't sure if it would happen. And did you talk with her about like the team choice, or was there, or was it all kind of a bit of a surprise for you when it actually went down? Well, there was no bitterness between um, any of the decisions that were made. Um, I think Sarah, for herself, it was individual, and you can't blame someone for wanting that individual growth. So. Um, when it came down to the team aspect, she loved everyone and she she still has those friendships and bonds and she never wants that to um, kind of disappear. But for, for her, she wanted to play midfield and her opportunity to play midfield was going to be at Richmond. I'm Peter Hay, so Luca's dad. Yeah, went to pre-game function at Punt Road. Luca's made it to the team for her very first game in her, her very first season, which is really, really exciting. She was super pumped to, to make the side. But when did you find out that she was selected? How did that phone call go? She had, had been waiting all night, really, for a phone call to tell her she wasn't in the side, and uh, she got the phone call to say she was, which was just uh, so exciting for her. It's good. She's worked really hard, and... And I think um, it's great for her to get a run and show hopefully what she can do. Hopefully she gets a few touches. What was her journey to get here? How, what was the process of ending up at Richmond? Uh, I know, well, we're from Aries Inlet, so we live down the coast. So we are very much of um, the earth and nature. So the journey here, Luke has been playing footy since she was nine. She played right through with the boys up till she was 14, 15, and then moved on to the women's. She is actually only the third Aries Inlet Eel to ever be drafted. Uh, two boys have been drafted, but they haven't actually played a match. So she's going to be the first Aries Inlet Eel to ever play an AFL match. She's had a lot of local support, being from a small community, small clubs, and then she went to Anglesey and played with the under-14s with the boys, and they've been very supportive of her as well. The whole community behind her, really. I love those proud parents there, Nick. Those eels. Now, something actually pretty extraordinary <laughs> happened while you were speaking to Jess Hosky. Right? Yeah, we might have sounded a little distracted. The whole time that we were doing the interview, she was being treated by ambulance services for a mild anaphylactic reaction to prawns that she'd eaten. So uh, it did cut off a little short. <laughs> Apologies for that. But she's a trooper, I tell you. She powered through. Something of all descriptions happens in the AFLW outer. Is that not correct? Absolutely. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. All right, ladies. It is time for us to roll up our sleeves and melee. This is The Outer Sanctum on ABC Radio. This week, a report Collingwood had commissioned to investigate racism at the club was leaked to the public. The press conference Collingwood responded with, quite frankly, knocked the wind out of me. I don't know about you guys. In terms of PR, it was an absolute disaster, overtaking the Batmobile and Meatloaf as the very worst performance I've ever seen in football. Ladies, how did you process it? Well, sadly to say, um, Collingwood have a huge history of racism, so I wasn't actually surprised by the Independent Do Better report. Um, what I was surprised was was by their um, president's response to say that it was a proud day. But fear not, everyone. He reneged, as he does. And, you know, he thinks that that makes it okay. It doesn't. But uh, it, there were a few issues I had with it that, um, you know, how long they had the report before they actually got it out. And then, of course, it was leaked because 
why wouldn't you if you had that kind of report and you're thinking they're not doing anything about it? But I found that that made the club very reactive and, you know, not proactive, which was disappointing to see. And now we've seen in the last 24 hours that the AFL is also under pressure for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander senior, from senior players to release the findings of the review last year into the AFL's Indigenous Advisory Group. So on that note, please learn from what Collingwood's done at AFL and be proactive in this space. But for me, the Collingwood um, football report you know, I ask that people who are enraged by this because it's pretty upsetting that you look at it and you take that rage and you focus it in what's happening within your community because systemic racism, it is everywhere. You know, it's a part of my daily life. So look at how you can do better within your space and how, because let's face it, we can all do better, but we must acknowledge Debbie Lover and Jodie Sizer, who work at the Collingwood Football Club for their tireless work. And they're two strong Aboriginal women who are ch- trying really hard to change the narrative. And this report actually did highlight the work that they've been doing and the difference that it's been made. We can't lose sight of that, can we, Emma? No, I don't think we can. I think we absolutely owe a debt of gratitude to Jodie Sizer and Debbie Lovett and Tanya Hosh because it was hard to miss that in the wash-up it was women of colour who were lent on to clean up the mess. And I really, from everything I have learnt from listening uh, and from everything I've garnered from people telling me their lived experience, First Nations people and people who have endured racism in a very personal way should not have to do any of the heavy lifting here. This yeah. is this is too emotionally um, intense. We all need to play our part. And that was your call to action, Shelley, and I love that. I was thinking a good resource um, for people who want to do something, who are si- sitting there, and I saw a lot of fans saying this is not good enough. So how are you going to turn that into a power moving forward? A good resource is Brene Brown's podcast on shame and accountability, which she actually recorded in response to the attack on the Capital, but it may help guide you on what you can do to dismantle everyday racism that we all live among. She makes the point that feeling shame about your participation in racist structures is not the same as being shamed. And it's a really important um, delineation to make. I, I will remind you that this podcast exists because six of us were feeling so overwhelmed by the Adam Goods booing incident that we were about to microwave our memberships and what we did instead was start a podcast. We're not asking you to do that, but um, it is important moment for leadership. Nicole? Yeah, and I, I think that leadership is the question um, ultimately in the end. And I, I see, you know, without banging on too much about the Collingwood response, there is a there is a teaching moment to come out of this that I think, you know, is relevant for organisations from all different walks of life, but particularly in football. The way that I sort of approach it is a press conference obviously has an element of performance. It's got to be, you know, there's an aspect of it that's it's orchestrated, it's contrived. It has to be because you're representing an organisation. Everyone has to be on message. You want to be clear about the meaning. Um, but the challenge here is the, the way that it was conducted. It wasn't just about Maguire's language. He didn't just express hubris and pride. He exuded it. Yeah. So, you know, and then he came back immediately and said, literally, I got it wrong. I said it was a proud day and I shouldn't have. So what that means is either he felt pride but realised he shouldn't have admitted it or he didn't feel pride when he said that he did but performed it in an attempt to spin the message. And, you know, we're not talking about a season launch here or a jumper presentation. This is a report detailing systemic racism. And racism is, let's just never forget this, a breach of a fundamental human right. 
Spin doesn't belong anywhere near this conversation, nor does performance or theatre. And so that response, whether it's real or contrived, was in complete contrast to what the situation demanded, which pretty much everybody else seemed to understand. Eddie Maguire doesn't just say the wrong things. He feels the wrong things. He thinks the wrong things. He isn't the person able to lead this. And I don't think that's just... It's not just about him specifically, and I'm sure his intentions are good, but in order to be able to lead and drive change, you have to have the capacity to listen and empathise and reflect on your own behaviours and be accountable because ultimately you need to be able to learn and good intentions are simply not enough. That learning has to be sincere and authentic. You can't force it and you can't manufacture it. He does not have the lived experience to do this. If you need an example of how to deliver a a meaningful and change-inspiring message with the gravitas it demands, all you need to do is just check out any of Heretia Lumumba's responses in the media this week and in past times, conducted under the most heated and emotional of circumstances, delivered with authenticity, dignity and grace. It was a masterclass in how change minds and I think a real learning um, and teaching moment for a lot of organisations out there outside of football but inside of football too. You're so right, Nicole. I found myself searching for the empathy piece in the leadership in that moment in that press conference and I dived into the report. And when you say performative, I dived into the report and read it cover to cover and I don't know how many of you have. It is available if you want to read it. But I felt like, you know, Maguire did admit that he got the tone wrong but it was not just wrong, it was very, very far from right for a seasoned media performer with a PR team behind him who on the precipice of a big national moment. I couldn't quite believe that they got it so wrong. And, in fact, the report, this is the irony of it, the, when I say performing the report, the report actually stated change needs to be driven from the top if it's to address racism and set the tone for the culture within the club. And so the fact that the report was brought to life by the press conference, actually by specifically Mm. Eddie Maguire, I felt like he level, he kind of acted out every level of the report. Like there was his bombast absolutely overshadowed any message that Collingwood had hoped to achieve. And as it was stated in the report, Collingwood's response has often been perceived as one where claims of racism are dealt with in terms of damage control or protecting the brand. And I'm actually quoting here. And his inability to own past wrongs, really, this is where it sat with me. It made me fear for the player's who are playing at the moment, for their families who sit in the outer and for fans for whom footy is an unsafe space and has traditionally been an unsafe space because of, you know, where they come from or because of what they look like or because of their lived experience. And I felt like footy got a little bit less safe. And that was backed up by the report too. It says what's clear is that racism at the club has resulted in profound and enduring harm to First Nations and African players. The racism affected them, their communities and set dangerous norms for the public. And I felt like he gave tacit approval for people to um and ah on on the issue of racism from the outer of footy. And it's actually in this day and age completely not okay. What I thought was that the public was an overwhelming response of saying this is not good enough and that was a huge moment because I mm. feel like we have come a distance since the Adam Goods booing. We didn't sit in arm and arm whether or not over semantics whether or not they had got it right, Shell. Absolutely and I think what I loved about the fact that what you just talked about was that it was Collingwood people that were coming forward and saying 
no, this isn't good enough. And, you know, normally when we speak to a Collingwood fan, they fully will be dying to the death, disagreeing with absolutely everything you say. But every single one I've spoken to is, is no, that wasn't good enough. Look, I, I wanted to speak a bit to a, a broader point about football clubs and the habits that they're in. Um, I don't want to make it about me, but I am about to tell a me story, so I'm sorry about that. But I had the experience of, of working at a football club and I was in a well-being role. That was my hat. Julia is the well-being person. I had a really positive experience. This is not a story about it being a negative experience. But I really felt like, the expectation was that I could fix all well-being matters, yeah. that a person's uh, childhood trauma, their interpersonal relationships, their romantic relationships, uh, the conversation they've just had a coach, the fact that they've just been dropped, the fact that they've just done their ACL, that somehow I could come in and that I would have the magic touch to fix it because Julia is wearing the well-being hat. And I think that that football clubs do operate in a way where certain people have these kind of siloed um, identities that are then supposed to fix that problem. And it just really disregards how complex people are in their histories. And I think that we see a very similar thing happening in football clubs around racism and around the diversity and inclusion space, that if we hire one person to come in and tell the truth about you know racism, that somehow that'll fix it. But club cultures are living, breathing things and they and they happen through every little interaction, every conversation. That that's the culture. And so one person can't come in and fix it. And so I, you know, acknowledge that um, there are people within Collingwood that are that are trying to, to change this from the inside, but you you've really got to think they're up against it when the culture is is so strong and when the person atop that culture who should be leading it is really denying it. And how difficult it would be to take to speak truth to that kind of power. So what's the solution? Well, our friend Rana would say you need more people in the room from diverse backgrounds. <laughs> so true. You need more women. Mm-hmm. You need more people of colour. You need more people of different classes. You need it so that the tipping point of the, you know, male, pale and stale, <laughs> that they're not the majority every time um, and that they don't always have the decision-making power. And I also think that they need to get a Thursday job. I think <laughs> they need to leave the club Go and work in the real community and see what it's like out there in the real community. You know, mix it up a little bit and not get caught in their bubble because that is part of the problem too. Mm. And the default culture is always going to dominate. So, you know, you can actually, you need to actually change the numbers because the, the, it will always seep through that default, default dominant culture. So you need to reverse the numbers and have um, greater diversity in real meaningful numbers. But you also need accountability. Mm, like yes. the worst thing that can happen here is that if we get stuck, if this conversation gets stuck on how bad is Eddie Maguire, because it's frustrating for us all at a cellular level that we never really seem to see any accountability for that person in this context. I mean, the AFL have vilification rule 35 at their disposal. And I've actually got clause 4.1 here states no league or participant or club official shall engage in conduct which may reasonably be considered to incite hatred towards contempt for ridicule of or discrimination against a person or a group based on their race, religion, gender, colour, sexual preference, orientation or special ability or disability. So it's frustrating for us all because we just don't see any, um, we don't see him actually having to, he gets to come back the next day and say, and apologise, you know, and play for the car, which (laughs) frustrates the hell out of everyone else. And, but the thing is that, you know, and I do urge you to listen to this Brene Brown, she says that shame 
and shaming people is not, it's a tool of oppression. It's not a tool of social justice. So shaming him isn't going to get the job Mm. done either. So there needs to be, I think there needs to be a balance Mm -hmm. in the way that we deal with this and the fallout of it. But I definitely think that more people of more diverse backgrounds in every single room is part of the answer. Because I think that's the only thing that's ever changed anyone's mind. Correct. When you think about, you know, prejudice and and Heretia Lumumba was spoke about this on um not AFL 7:30 <laughs> ABC 7:30 yeah. that you know you have to acknowledge that that the majority of Australians were educated with a eurocentric view of the world um we were not told great stories about African culture or First Nations culture we were the the western canon was held up as the the culture to that you know was the right one and we have to acknowledge that, that that creates these deep-seated prejudices and that, that when those acts come out of it, that's discrimination. So how do we change that? Well, you talk to people from different backgrounds and you learn and you appreciate other cultures. That one-on-one stuff is what actually changes people's mind and you can't get that from just TV no. that you turn off because you're not interested. And organisations need to make hard choices about how they set up their um, their executives and how they set up their decision-making and real policy that's in, enacted and empowered by people who can drive that change. Well, there was a slate of recommendations. If you are a Collingwood member, I believe you have the right to keep them accountable for that. But I also think that every other football club, every other organisation in this country is on notice. And I actually do think that the people of the outer have spoken and they've said we demand more and we demand we demand better. There's a great resource that our friend Rana Hussein uh, is actively involved in, Shelley. Yeah. You were going to suggest that people get involved with that too. Yeah, check out the Do More campaign or project. It's actually on their website, so do more. If you have a look on that um, website, it's the great resources, videos of lived experience, like people who've had lived experiences, you hear their stories, how racism has impacted their lives because, let's face it, we can all do more. Another massive thing that happened this week was WA going into a five-day lockdown, which was announced while the game was being played. Do you think about having to pivot? Uh, Anyway, we've seen all these extraordinary circumstances that that has, you know, the dominoes after that were interesting. It was, I didn't know, I was surprised that GWS and Adelaide, they flew out. They were meant to be playing round two. They were playing games in WA. I was surprised they didn't stay. But GWS went back to Sydney and Adelaide went back home. And then, Nicole, what did you see this week on socials? Well, so Adelaide had to go into a 14-day lockdown um, and GWS, they're allowed to return to Sydney, but they can't. They have to stay inside, basically, until Friday night at 9pm is the current arrangement. And what was really interesting to see, and it doesn't make me ask questions about how much support the individual players are getting in terms of the, how they react to this and how they um, set themselves up, but... We saw Chelsea Randall uh, put our call out onto socials for a treadmill treadmill request. Mm. Uh, I feel like there's something going on there that the the captain of the uh, Crows, Adelaide Crows, doesn't actually have a, uh, access to a treadmill. That there weren't weren't immediate resources provided, or at least a reaction to allow her to stay in condition and to to do what she needs to do from a training point of view. And and of course, Alicia Eva talked about having to get you know the last time having to escape the border and getting trying to get a, a flight but the flight's going up and so she had to drive and it just reminds me that these players are don't, it does feel like they're doing this on their own um, and that the financial and the emotional 
impetus is on them to kind of take care of themselves. And I'd like to see, you know, I wonder how much the clubs are able to do, how much they are doing and how much the AFL is doing to support them on a broader, on a collective and individual level. It feels a little loose for me. You know, I need things to be a bit tighter when there's a pandemic on. Um, (laughs) So we did that with AFLM. Bang, lockdown, everything was done. 60-page document to their front doors. Everybody understood what was going on. I don't feel the same with what's going on with AFLW. And I just think the fact that Chelsea did that, look, she might have done it out of just, I don't want to bother anyone because she's that kind of person and I can just get this sorted. But that she should have had... what she needed at her front door within minutes of everybody knowing. The story I'm telling myself, best story I'm telling myself, is it was such a quick turnaround pivot that they didn't have time to do it. The worst story I'm telling myself is that they're keeping the gym equipment because the Adelaide Crows AFL-M team requires all the gym equipment. Mm-hmm. Or, the that, gym. or that they think they're going back. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Mm, mm. I don't know. I am just so pleased that the GWS girls actually got to go home. They've been away. They had to, you know, escape Sydney so quickly. They've been away for six weeks and then suddenly, you know, they're in Perth flying back to Sydney. But if you want a little bit of um, joy, just follow some GWS girls on Insta and see them being reunited with their dogs. Sold. I'm Kiara Bowers and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. The St Kilda-Western Bulldogs game was an absolute highlight for so many people. Let's have a chat to one of the stars of that show, Bonnie Toogood from the Western Bulldogs. Hello, Bonnie Toogood. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum. Two goals on Friday night's amazing game. I know you didn't get the W, but was it good to be back? It was unbelievable to be back. Um yeah, unfortunately we didn't win, but what I've heard from all the reports is that it was a good game of footy to watch. I can say I got pretty pumped up in that last quarter because I just was trying to get the team over the line just to get up and about, um, but it was actually phenomenal to be back. Um, very grateful to have the opportunity to be running around again in the red, white and blue. Hi, Bonnie. It's Julia here. Um, I was at that game and you're right. It was great to watch. Um, I'm sorry that it might not have felt that way when the final siren went at the end. But I was really impressed with some of your younger players. You've got so Mm. many um, on the list there at the Bulldogs. Can you tell us about some of them that have really impressed you over the preseason and in that first game? Well, I I can't say how amazing Jess Fitzgerald is, um, number two draft pick. And she's just so composed Um, and that's really amazing. And I think we're just going to see her grow over the next few weeks. Um, I think she was, had really dynamic moments in that game. And when she can string those together more and more and being around the likes of Ellie, she'll just grow and I'm really excited for her. But one person that I think doesn't get talked about a lot is um, Lizzie G Mm. and she's just always at the bottom of the pack you she'll always be the one when they zoom up on the on the ball up she'll always be the one that's been picked up off the ground she just does those one percenters um that kind of galvanize the group and she's been really impressive over pre-season and I'm really excited to watch her play as well hi it's Shelley here Bonnie Ellie Blackburn what was her message to you throughout the game what was she saying to you to keep you going um it was courage is contagious Um, and 
watching the girls when they put their body on the line one person does it the rest of the group starts to do it so it was about being fierce um mm, that was great. a real strong messaging and it kind of works in line with our kind of bulldogs campaign at the moment with um fierce women play here so we really do want to live up to that so her messaging was about um cracking in being hard at the footy um and yeah that courage is contagious is a super powerful one Brilliant. Hey, Bonnie, Nicole here. Um, I love that message of Fierce Women Play here. That's awesome. Um, just first games, you know, don't generally tell us too much. They're not, you know, they're a bit of an aberration. But what can you take out of this week going forward? Um, that we've got the heart. Um, we're a young group and we, we, we played all the way to the end, which was really, really a great sign for us. And there is, as you said, so there's so much hype around round one and mm-hmm. you you everything every time you think of footy you're like oh round one this week round one this week and you get a bit hyped um so it is the first five minutes was very hot footy hot contested besides the free kick at the start but um you could you i'm just super excited because i think we're going to be a little bit of a dark horse and really test sides this year and um if we start playing more to how we want to play i have no doubt we'll um we'll be up there there's a lot of nods happening in the studio. I think that people forget and underestimate the Bulldogs. And when you see Ellie Blackburn grabbing the ball and running sideways into mm-hmm. an open kind of goal, she found somehow found a crevice to run through in that defensive structure of the Saints, which is pretty impressive, to be honest. I thought mm-hmm. that was a real moment that lit the game on fire. And I thought, hang on, we've got, we've got really something happening, something pretty amazing happening here that I haven't necessarily seen in AFLW before. Um, that was an amazing moment of leadership. I've wondered how you've all managed, you know, we don't have a fixture yet as we're sitting Mm. here right now. We actually don't know what the fixture necessarily locked off looks like for this weekend. Uh, And we certainly don't have one for round three. How do you manage that, Bonnie? Um, It's just about being agile um, and being flexible enough. We understand that that's what the climate is at the moment. So as hard as it is, like or not knowing what next week's going to look like, we do have to focus on the game that we have at the moment. And so it's kind of, I hate the cliche, but it is literally taking each training session as it comes each week, just controlling what we can control because at the end of the day, we have to do the right thing by the government and the community um, and we have to stay as flexible and agile as possible. Is it weird watching WA knowing that Frio and West Coast can't train, that Adelaide girls have been training, you know, in the driveways of their homes, that GWS is, you know, back on the road again. Do you send messages of support to people that you might know that play in those teams or is it seasons on, I'm, you know, shutting down that kind of support? Well, I definitely have the support, like my thoughts are there with them. Like I'm not, I won't reach out just because I'm very, once I'm in season, I'm like very much my team where I'm going to focus on what we're doing. But I do feel for them a lot because all the Victorian teams have felt that for six months in the off season where we weren't allowed to play and we were doing the same thing, training for an hour in the day and then we're inside. So I feel for them and definitely feel empathy and compassion for what they're going through right now. I think it's even harder that we're in the season and it's happening. So definitely... um, Feeling for them for sure. Um, but, yeah, I feel like Victoria, we've, we've had our fair share of it too. So it's uh, we're all kind of going through it together. It's Julia here, Bonnie. I wanted to ask you about prior game. It'll be the fifth time that the Bulldogs have met Carlton in this game. What do you think has changed over the years in for this game? And how do you see um, progression happening in this space? 
I think it's growing every year. Um, the crowd at Witten is always electric, and that is that is amazing to see how that grows year in, year out. The openness that people come um, to the game is amazing. And just, I think, with the progression, I think we've seen that through the Bulldogs jumper this year. Um, I put my hat, what is it, tip my hat? Put my hat <laughs> off to, what yep. is it, you know? Take your hat Nat, off and do a dance. Take your hat <laughs> off, yeah, that. Um, to Nat Gills, and who's our graphic designer, who, who put the jumper together to show the progression and the club's commitment to inclusivity. And I think it's a growing space and a space that continually needs more and more education. Like I'm dating a woman, um, but I didn't know that there were all these other identities within the LGBTIQA plus community. So it's a really amazing thing to see and for the club to commit to, we, we want to represent everybody and celebrate everybody for who they are and for who they love. And that pro- progression, I think, is super important. And I'm really excited to run out there with that jumper on. Bonnie, it's a beautiful jumper and it's one of my favourites. It's actually one I don't, you know, I'm a Carlton girl, but I'm really keen to own that jumper. It's got the story <laughs> behind it is just so powerful and it really gives a voice to the people that don't generally have a voice. It's so important, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's super important. Nat actually consulted um, our Bulldogs Pride supporter group. They had no idea it was for the jumper, but um, so she put a lot of research into to make sure that it was accurate and that everyone was represented. And I, I actually am super excited that I get to wear it because it means so much. And and I hope that people it starts conversations. Yeah, it's um, the conversation for support. Starter and celebration um, for all people because at humans, we're humans at the end of the day and all we want is love, belonging and acceptance. And if we can create that environment at a footy match um, where it all started, I guess, for women and feeling comfortable in that environment, if we can spread that throughout the community, I think we're on our way to doing our jobs. I think we just found the name of your album, Love, Belonging and Acceptance, Bonnie. <laughs> just call me Brene Brown. There you go. <laughs> Nicole's got a question for you. Speaking of jumpers, um, you had yours presented to you by your mum and there's some gorgeous photos on Instagram of you two boogie on down. And I just need yeah. to know, what is the mother-daughter song of choice? So I, I regret, I did Gimme Gimme, um, <laughs> but a slight um, remix just to you know get it into the chorus straight away so that was the song that we were boogieing to i wish we did a keith urban number to be honest (laughs) because that's like our mum's taken me now to six of his concerts and i think that would have been a nice you know look at us and great representation of who we are but that was honestly such a special moment um the apple really doesn't fall far from the tree uh i am what my mum has made me and I'm very grateful for her support um, always. And that was just an awesome moment to be boogieing down the pink carpet and for her to present my jumper. All the mums in the studio just, just burst into tears. Yeah. Bonnie, <laughs> thank you. You've just been the most beautiful surrogate daughter mm-hmm. saying all the things we wanted to hear this <laughs> yes. morning. You've got a massive game against Carlton. They really wanted you to get the win, I think, so that you didn't come in so hungry. So uh, what are you going to bring <laughs> to the game this weekend? Oh, I, I think we're going to live up. We're going to have to live up to that fierce fierce motto because Carlton are a tough, tough team. Um, they like the hard ball. So, 
yeah, been tough, tough on the weekend and it potentially could be wet. So we could be going for a bit of territory and getting the ball deep in the forward line for the likes of Izzy and Nell and Brooke to run onto it. And we've got Macca back in. So to get her um, running onto the footy and kicking some goals, I think will be really important on the weekend and watch out Carlton, we're hungry, as <laughs> they are too. <laughs> and again, back at the Witten Oval, that's Friday night. Bonnie Toogood, thank you so much for joining us on the Outer Sanctum. We wish you all the very best of luck this weekend in the Pride game. Thank you very much, guys. It was a pl- absolute pleasure to be on here with you all. Are you going to sing us out? <laughs> yeah, well, what do we want? I've been missing your strawberry kisses. <laughs> no, 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 this is my remix. Baby, give it up, give it up. Baby, give it up. Yes, I knew you'd get along. <laughs> Thanks, Bonnie. Have a great day, love. Thanks, girls. See ya. Great to hear from Bonnie Sugood and and how much that jumper. I've already felt educated. I'm beginning my education from football jumpers. But, Shelley, you were just telling us the uh, origin story of the Carlton Pride jumper this year. And I really feel like it's a pretty important message to share. Very important. Well, I was on my socials and Darcy was talking about the jumper, Darcy Vessio, and she talked about how she had designed the jumper where she'd cut treated it as though you'd cut the tree and you see the rings of growth and she talked about how in this space we've grown so much to be able to be who you are and be able to represent yourself and have the pride and the strength and also the support from the community and it's such a beautiful jumper I instantly without even thinking had to buy it mm-hmm. and when I got on there I was like yes there's a large left like it was just like I have to own that jumper because I want to have a conversation piece that starts this conversation and we get to talk about people being who they are and feeling safe and, you know, living their best life. I totally hear you on that, Shelley. Beautifully uh, executed by Darcy and beautifully told by you, Mm. Julia. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, it's the fifth year and, and, and... Unfortunately, sometimes I read the comments. I know you girls tell oh, don't me not read the to. Comments. And yeah, we talked about this. You know, there's, there'll be a little bit of a oh, I've already had a pride game. Aren't we over it? Like, haven't we moved on from this? And I, and I guess you know, my feeling is, well, 100 percent, no, we haven't moved on from it. We haven't. We're not done with homophobia. It's still there or transphobia. Um, but I guess what I, what I was thinking about is we have moved on a little bit now about you know who's going to be the first queer AFLW mm. player or anything like that. Like we're, we're on from that conversation. But I think what's still really powerful um, for um, parents, parents of um, LGBTIQA plus identified people, is you can love and accept your child, but you will have anxiety about how the world treats them. Absolutely. And that there's something so incredibly powerful by seeing the AFL and clubs not only represent your child, but champion and celebrate them and say how beautiful they are. Um, I think that that's just so powerful and I don't think we can ever get sick of that message. Never. Never Never get sick of it, never get sick of hearing it and share it with the world, I say. So astute, Julia. That is absolutely so true. And also how extraordinary it is to put love as a central theme in a sporting competition. It's a great round and I hope everyone gets out and enjoys Pride Round and feels seen and feels heard and feels included because that's the whole point of it. It is time for us now to have a different kind of conversation. It's time for Thank You For Being A Friend. Thank you for being a friend. 
We love riding the bumps, blocks and tackles of the AFLW on the field, but off the field, the AFLW community is full of lifelong friendships between players and their coaches supporting each other. So this week on Thank You For Being A Friend, we're excited to hear about the friendship between Catherine Smith from GWS and Sarah Perkins from the Gold Coast. Both players are on Melbourne's list last year and have moved north for this season, but their friendship started well before that. Thank you for joining us, Catherine and Sarah. No worries. Thanks for having us. We'll just launch right into it. You've got a bunch of questions in front of you. Sarah, can you start us off? Yeah. So uh, where and uh, when did we first meet? We met at like Ace and Devils Youth Girls, I think like 10 years ago. Um, I was like a little 12 or 13 year old coming into the club and you were like captain on the side. And yeah, that was our first year of footy together. So quite a while ago, actually. Very <laughs> long time. Yeah, very long time. All right. Kirko, what's your favourite football memory of us? Oh, that's a tough one. I couldn't go past um, us winning the BNF together at the Devs um, in our first year. Well, my last year, your first year, you still footy, so it was pretty funny. That 18-year-old and the 12-year-old winning the, the BNF together is probably <laughs> my favourite memory, I guess. Yeah, that was awesome. That was so good. <laughs> so, Schmidt, what's something about my footy game that you admire? Oh, I like you have the best kick ever. It's just so powerful and... Um, your distance and accuracy on it is just unreal. So, yeah, your kick is definitely something I admire. And I think majority of the competition would say the exact same thing. <laughs> same question to you. What's something about my footy game that you admire? I'll just say, like, your, your tackling and, how like, your strength at a contest. I think it's something that I've always admired from, I think, even when you were 12. Um, just came in, this little 12-year-old kid that was a beast and would beat up the rest of the competition. Um, it's something you've continued all the way through, so that's definitely something that I admire. And, yeah, agree, same thing. The competition would probably say exactly the same thing. Um, Smith, when do we laugh the hardest together? <laughs> I'll probably say there would be a few devil's functions in there that would have a few laughs, that's for sure. Um, probably any time away from footy, we definitely have a, a few laughs, but... Um, when we train together, we also have lots of fun as well. Um, but, yeah, I'd probably say there's a few devil's, devil's functions that will go down in history for us. <laughs> <laughs> in what areas of our lives and, uh, and personalities are we most different? Oh, most different. Jeez, this is a tough question. Um, <laughs> oh, I sometimes think that you're a bit more of an adult than I am. Uh, a bit more... <laughs> bit more composed at adult life, I would have to say, than, than what I am sometimes. So, um, yeah, I'd say I'd come to, the, come to the younger one of the two for life advice and, yeah, that's probably something I'd give to you. Okay, I was going to say probably, like, the beach, but... <laughs> but yeah, I, it's funny, I've ended up on the Gold Coast and I ate the yeah. beach and you just moved to me, so that, that's all right. Great. <laughs> so... Um, What's most important to me in life and relationships? Oh, definitely for you, probably definitely like loyalty and trust. Um, I think you're a very loyal person, um, and you probably expect the same of others, and same with the trustworthiness. You're a very trusting person, and yeah, you can't expect the same as from others as well, which you deserve. Great. <laughs> <laughs> What's most important to me in life and relationships? Well, first of all, it's someone that's going to be willing to be around footy, I reckon. <laughs> um, but, I, but I agree, like, you need someone who's going to be there for you and, and help you through 
and just have that like that continuity and just constantly be there for you and that you can trust. So he's going to, yeah, understand that footy's important, but, yeah, be there for you as much as they can. Yeah, good one. All right, this one's a tough question because I don't even I don't even want to ask it. But uh, <laughs> which one of us is a better dresser and the most stylish? Oh, I'm gonna say me. <laughs> 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 no, nah, we're both we're both pretty up. good. We're both rocking the suits lately. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I think we have very similar styles and definitely on getting dressed up, which before awards nights and each other what shirt we're going to wear or what suit dress up we're going to wear. So I feel like that definitely helps our friendship. <laughs> yeah, we never want to match. It's great. Yeah, it's so good. Um, Perko, which one of us is the best cook? Oh, I don't actually think you've ever cooked me a meal and I don't think I've ever cooked you one. So I certainly want to say me, but then again, I my love for the microwave and microwave <laughs> is probably... Probably gives you the cake, I would have thought. So I'll, I'll let you be the better cook and the better dresser. Not sure Thank what I'm you. bringing to this friendship, but wow. we're working up one day. You bring a lot. <laughs> Julia, thank you for being a friend. If you're a golden girl, which one would you be? Dorothy. The goal. I'm going to go Sophia. Had my moments of Blanche, but now I'm Sophia. <laughs> Just That's kidding. pretty funny. All right, jury's out on who I am. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Uh, it's time for final business. I've got two tiny pieces. The first is we still don't have a fixture for next week. And, in fact, with what's just been released in Victoria today, I think we all need to stand by. We don't really know what's going to happen with uh, games this weekend rolling forward. Stay tuned on our socials and you'll know before we do, but we'll try to bring it to you in a, in a pithy way that keeps you entertained. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and we are loving all of the interactions with you all. It's been very nice to be back in the outer with you all. And also massive shout out to Michelle Cowan who achieved a real feat of greatness on TV last night. West Coast Eagles head of AFLW program. We love Mish Cowan here at the Outer Sanctum but when I saw her being lit on fire by a fire breathing <laughs> dragon while she was trying to putt, uh, I was like this woman has got <laughs> some level. Level, just yeah. steely determination. So we are standing by. I hope it hasn't been a spoiler, but she did pretty well. So Michelle Cowan, salute to you and very best of luck to everyone trying to kind of hurdle all of the chicanery that is put down in our way with COVID and football. We love you. It's so nice to be back. Take care of each other. Enjoy Pride Round. There's only one thing left to say, and that is go, go footy! footy!